Huang Yuanpu, the founder of Ecoocean, initiated a survey on Ride with the theme. Are you optimistic about Huawei's development? 804 people participated in the survey, with over half still holding a positive view on Huawei. In the comment section, Ecoocean fans, many users expressed anger towards U.S. sanctions, believing that the sanctions have hindered Huawei's globalization process. Have confidence in its future development. The data provided by Huawei confirms the view of the majority. On August 11, Huawei released its financial performance for the first half of 2023. During this period, Huawei achieved sales revenue of RMB 310.9 billion. A year-on-year -year growth of 3.1 percent, with a net profit margin of 15 percent. In the first half of 2022, Huawei's sales revenue was RMB 301.6 billion, experiencing a year-on-year -year decline of 5.87 percent and a net profit margin of only 5 percent. This counter-trend growth surprised many people, and they believe it would be difficult for Huawei to recover quickly during the downturn in 2021 and 2022. Some even thought Huawei might collapse. The steady performance of its ICT infrastructure business, growth in terminal revenue, strong growth in digital and cloud business, and continuous improvement in the competitiveness of the smart car business. In the first half of 2023, led many to exclaim, "Huawei has come back to life!" As a global company, Huawei's development story in the international market is highly representative. After experiencing severe sanctions and challenges, how was Huawei able to survive? Ecoocean will attempt to answer this question. The European market. With its advanced communication technology and industrial foundation, was one of the early and heavily invested markets for Huawei. Huawei's development in Europe over the past 20 years serves as a model for its successful international expansion and reflects the progress made by Chinese high-tech companies in the evolving world. It's well known that Huawei's two major businesses in Europe are selling base stations and smart terminals. In the early 2000s, when competition was fierce in the European market, Huawei, as a relatively young Chinese company, was not well known. At that time, Chinese company was synonymous with low price, low technological content, and low added value. Huawei's primary business in Europe initially focused on telecommunication operation businesses. Competing against a series of well-established European telecom companies, which dominated most of the market, Huawei had yet to gain recognition in the mainstream European communication market, and held only a negligible market share. Unlike its smooth expansion in Latin America, the Middle East, and Africa. Relying on labels like low price and good service, Huawei faced a more arduous and tortuous path in Europe. Initially, Huawei could only enter the European countries through agents introducing its 
10G SDH optical network products to markets like the UK, France, and Germany. In 2003, Huawei won the CDMA 450 project contract from the European telecom operator Incom, successfully entering markets such as Portugal, Germany, Romania, Russia, and Sweden for this mobile system. In 2004, a crucial year for Huawei's telecommunication business in Europe, the company established its European headquarters in the UK, shifting its strategic focus to the high-end European market. In April of the same year, Huawei won the bid for the local network expansion project of Swedish telecom operator Bambrakate Talent E. Covering the entire country and distinguishing itself in the fiercely competitive Nordic telecom market. In December, Dutch mobile operator Telfort purchased Huawei's WCDMA 3G project technology, further enhancing Huawei's reputation in the European market. However, an unexpected turn. Of events occurred when Telfo was acquired by another operator, Royal KPN, after Huawei successfully completed its distributed base station construction project. The abandonment of the distributed base station delayed Huawei's significant expansion in the European market for two years. The 2B segment in the communications field. Has a large scale and long construction cycle. Once a cooperation partner is selected and a contract is signed, the cost of replacement becomes prohibitively high. Therefore, early stage technology and quality must be solid to establish trust. The trust building process contributes to brand recognition and long term development. Although Huawei's distributed base station were abandoned by Telford in 2006, Vodafone, the world's largest mobile communication operator, recognized the strength of Huawei's distributed base station technology. In order to compete with its rivals, Vodafone adopted Huawei's distributed base station. Huawei's previous efforts had not been in vain. And this collaboration paved the way for rapid expansion into higher-end European markets, establishing a foundation for gaining a reputation. During the collaboration with Vodafone, Huawei began expanding its consumer business in Europe. Unlike their carrier-related ICT infrastructure business, Huawei's consumer business faced more challenges. In November. 2005, Huawei signed a global procurement framework agreement with Vodafone, starting from 2006, to provide customized mobile phones for Vodafone's operations in 21 countries. Through the operator network plus customized smartphone model, Huawei made highways in the European market. From the perspective of industrial upgrading. Companies that solely engage in ODM manufacturing are always at the mercy of the carrier. They operate silently behind the scenes as white shop workers, 
with the majority of profits being taken in the chain. This approach does not offer significant benefits for brands and long-term development. In the first five to six years, Huawei accumulated experience as an ODM manufacturer in the low-end market and stubbornly rooted its consumer business in Europe. In 2012, Huawei released its first proprietary branded smartphone, the Ascent P1, which started much later compared to its carrier business and didn't achieve expected sales. Well, the OEM business had not yet gained a firm footing. The ODM business saw a significant de decline, putting considerable pressure on Huawei's consumer business. According to the reports, the devices that truly established Huawei's position in the high-end smartphone market in Europe were the P9, Mate 9 Pro, and P20. Nevertheless, during the four years before its wholesaling, Huawei's smartphone shipment experienced significant growth. Successfully ranking among the top three global smartphone manufacturers, after overcoming its tough challenge in Europe, Huawei replicated many successful experiences to penetrate local markets in other regions, solidifying its position as a truly global company. In the international market, Huawei transitioned from relying solely on its telecommunication business to having a dual focus on telecommunications and consumer businesses. However, in May 2019, the U.S. government, led by President Trump, issued an entity list targeting Chinese high-tech companies. As a result, Huawei and its more than 70 affiliated companies were significantly affected. Before this, Huawei's consumer business, particularly its smartphones, had become a representative Chinese brand in the high-end smartphone market, securing a top three position alongside Samsung and Apple in major international market. Just as Huawei was about to take the top spot, a heavy blow from the U.S. government sent its consumer business plummeting. During the sanction period, Huawei lost support for 5G chips and Google stopped cooperation, resulting in Huawei phones being unable to use GMS and losing access to Android system updates. Unlike the B2B business, the smartphone market is fiercely competitive with numerous brands, and consumers can easily switch to other brands. Without the ability to bundle with Google service, Huawei phones became virtually unusable for many users. After experiencing a brief recovery in early 2020, Huawei's consumer business saw a significant decline worldwide. According to the data, in 2021, Huawei's consumer business revenue dropped nearly 50% year-over-year, accounting for only 38.2% of total revenue. In 2022, Huawei's terminal business revenue, renamed from consumer business, 
reached only RMB 215.5 billion, representing an 11.9% decline year over year. The international market share of Huawei phones, which was once among the top three, rapidly fell to outside the top five in various statistical reports. Rapidly fell to outside the top five in various statistical reports. On the other hand, Huawei's telecommunication business, another major segment, had reached its peak around 2016 before the sanctions. As mentioned earlier, the construction cycle of B2B telecommunication business is relatively long, demanding stricter technical requirements. While policy factors can have an impact, business interactions among companies consider multiple factors, and switching equipment providers comes at a high cost. Following the sanctions, Huawei's SAT infrastructure business was not as heavily affected as its consumer terminals. Ericsson, previously defeated by Huawei in Europe, slightly increased its market share during the initial period of Huawei's sanction. However, data from 2021 and 2022 shows that Huawei's 5G devices maintained their dominant position in the global market. EcoOcean believes that Huawei lost only one leg, its consumer business being impacted by U.S. sanctions. Looking at Huawei's development after the sanctions and the overall state of the smartphone market, it's evident that the smartphones as a low-margin business experience market fluctuation as inevitable phenomenon, which can have adverse effects when they constitute a significant portion of a company's operations. Huawei has never claimed to be or aimed to be solely a smartphone manufacturer. Strategically, Huawei may not want smartphone to be a pillar business. Therefore, while ordinary consumers may think that Huawei would collapse due to U.S. sanctions, Huawei has stubbornly persevered. The fundamental reason is that the sanctions did not strike at the core of Huawei's business. In Huawei's annual reports before and after the sanctions, consumer business, particularly smartphones, did not occupy much space. Instead, the focus was on the SAT infrastructure business, which remained Huawei's primary business. The 2019 Huawei annual report stated, SAT infrastructure business is one of Huawei's core business. And the latest 2022 annual report data shows that SAT infrastructure revenue accounts for over half of Huawei's total revenue. EcoOcean believes that Huawei's flexible and diversified business layout is a crucial factor in its ability to withstand sanctions without collapsing. Huawei's high investment in research and development has been widely praised, and it's undoubtedly an important factor in its survival. When faced with unexpected setbacks, relying solely on one aspect of the business who quickly deplete the funds depended on high research and development investments. In the face of absolute financial depletion, any attempts requiring resource allocation 
would be severely limited. Huawei has never put all its eggs in one black stick. Therefore, even when its smartphone business was impacted, there were sufficient funds available for research and development, assisting Huawei in overcoming difficulties. Frankly speaking, judgments made by ordinary consumers based on the hardships encountered with Huawei phones are mistaken in assessing the company's overall development. In 2023, all signs indicate that with the improvement in the domestic market, Huawei's consumer terminal business will once again venture into the international market. However, it's difficult to predict where the focus of its smartphone business will be as it returns to the international market. From the current actions, it seems that Huawei still values the European market as a brand stronghold. The important variable for Huawei's re-expansion in European market will be whether European countries will follow the US or not in implementing similar policies. Ecosion believes that if Huawei wants to regain globalization in its smartphone business in the future, as much effort will need to be put into public relations as in research and development. After years of absence from the international market, rebuilding trust will be the key phrase for Huawei to return to the international smartphone market.